This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hello, I'm Matthew Stafford, and I'm the CEO and founder of Build, Grow, Scale. Uh, What we do is we help people's website communicate better to their clients so that they can collect more leads, or in many cases, uh, we handle a lot of websites that do selling, and so they can make more sales from the same amount of traffic that they already have. Awesome. Okay, so I love that intro because it kind of leads into... A lot of the concerns that most people have with their website, traffic, they think, is the goal, and how to get more leads and scale and grow and do all of those things. But the the topic and the title for the show today is Beyond Traffic, a Comprehensive SEO Guide. So how we can kind of reconsider traffic as not necessarily the, the correct goal, but how to grow and scale beyond that idea. So thank you for being here yeah. <laughs> and uh, giving us all your insight on, on this because I think a lot of people look at those analytics numbers and they just look at that top level number, like how many people are coming to my site and that's all they care about. And that's the number they focus on from one month to the next. So today we're gonna kind of talk about why that's not the best place to look and why there's better places to consider and, and all of that good stuff. So let's let's start there with what's the best number and, and why? What, sh- what number should we be paying attention to and, and why? Yeah, so I'll just use this as an analogy because we do use the tagline, traffic's not your problem. Yeah. The majority of people have plenty of traffic. The problem is their website's not converting them. Yeah. And so like on e-commerce, the average e-commerce site converts at 2%. And so everybody thinks like, oh, I just need to send more visitors, I'll get more leads or I'll get more sales. But the truth of the matter is, if it's converting at 2%, that means two people out of 100 got what they needed and said, yeah, you're my guy. And so what we do is we focus on the website itself to make sure that the traffic that comes is more relevant. And then also when they do get there that they find what they're looking for. So they want to give you their number and and move forward. So if you would just get two of the 98 people that left, you would actually double your business. Right. Instead, everybody else is like, how do I get a hundred more people to come see my site? And that's the expensive way to look at it. I love those numbers. Okay, so just to recap, so you've got 100 people on your site, two of them are converting right now, which yeah. uh, you know, for law firms, that can mean a lot of different things in terms of what a conversion is, because obviously, I know you work with a lot of actual salespeople in e-commerce sites, so they're talking about like selling t-shirts or you know, actual products, but a conversion for most law firms means a phone call or a filling out of the form or a scheduling of a consultation. You, th- those are probably the most three common conversions that we see. Yep. So you've got 100 people there, you get two of them to convert. So instead of going and getting a second 100 to get another two, we're gonna just make it better so that the 98 that aren't converting, that landed there for a reason, and they searched and they got to your site and there was something that they said no about, yep. all we need to do is get two more of them 
and you're spending the same amount without having to go out and get another second hundred people to get those extra two. So if you're looking at trying to double your traffic, and dr- yeah. which would then double your conversions and all of that stuff, that's just not necessarily the best way to do it. You're really just spending a lot of energy for a lot of waste. Yeah, we. it's really funny when we first look at a site Typically what we do is get rid of a lot of what's on it because what happens is over time they get asked questions and so then they go, oh, everybody needs to know that and they put it on the site and oh, everybody needs to know that. And then what they've done is now they're forcing everybody that comes to the site to go through this really long journey in order to get to what's really relevant to them. And so based on what page that they're on, if you look at it from not, hey, I'm trying to get a lead to you switch to be the person who has the need, which is a lawyer. What do they need? What information do they need in order to feel comfortable to give me their number or to give me their lead? Not, and it, it is, it sounds the same, but it's totally not. And when you look at your site from that perspective, you'll be shocked at the things that will show up. And when you clean those up, you'll get a lot more leads. Yeah, all of the extraneous stuff that is pulling in all the wrong people and kind of wasting your time and effort. So what's one of the first things that you notice that is kind of common that people are adding? You you mentioned a lot of these extra questions that people are answering that don't necessarily lead to those right kinds of clients. What other kinds of things do you notice that people are doing wrong that you change like kind of in those, those first initial kind of conversations that you have with people? Yeah, so I would say when they get to your site, what you're trying to do is enter the conversation that's in their head. And what we see a lot of times with all that information is they actually bring up questions that the customer has or the client has never thought of. And and that creates the roadblock. So I always say that the reason why they don't give you their information is one, they don't trust you, or two, they have an unanswered question. And so if you're creating those questions by things that you're putting on there, like, oh, I don't know that. Oh, I don't know that. Yeah. You would much rather have them call you and then find out that they need information instead of come to your site and then realize they don't have what they need. And so it depends on really the websites are pushing people away instead of getting them to call because they're raising those questions. So what kind of language do you use to get those conversions as opposed to kind of throwing all these questions? And when you were describing that, I was picturing sometimes I've seen these, even the contact forms where they'll have like 50 different fields that they have to fill out and, you know, explain your case to me and all of this stuff. And it just feels like they're jumping the gun. They're getting way ahead of themselves and kind of overwhelming that person. Yeah. Um, I always liken that to if the guy goes into the bar and he walks up to the girl and kisses her yeah. instead of asking her her name. Right. And so like you're trying to get way too much information from them before they know like and trust you. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, it's just a no. Yeah. And you're just kind of freaking them out a little bit. Like another person I was talking to talked about how 
oftentimes they may not know the answers. If you're asking them all these details about what they need from you, they may not know. You're the one that's supposed to provide that information. They may not know what kind of like fine-tuned details of the law that need to be answered in order to help their case. That's what they're coming to you for. So unless you're really trying to put them through a filter because you are getting a lot of too much traffic and you're trying to filter that through so that you get the quality kinds of clients and so you're purposely trying to turn people away, then I would say to really simplify those contact forms to make it just an easy hurdle for people to get through to you. Yeah, and if you are trying to create a filter, it would be much better to just be very specific about who you work with. Yeah. Because then that type of client is going to feel like they're special to you. Creating, if you think that making your form more complicated and getting them to explain that stuff is actually filtering out the right people, you're probably wrong. You're still getting the leads that are not who you want because you're not being clear. And we've actually, I've done this for a few different actually lawyer sites for their lead gen, you'd be shocked at how scared people are of the language that's used. They just don't know it. And so they they, they feel dumb. There's a yeah. whole bunch of different things that make them not want to like face their own, you know, insecurities because the website feels very imposing. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily that the client's not a good client. It's that the way that you come across is not inviting is overwhelming. So what kinds of recommendations do you give for, I'm just picturing like those calls to action. I think a lot of people just think it's a button, whatever, but I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there to do it wrong or put really good compelling language in there. What's what's your recommendation for how to make those work the best way? Yeah, it, depend, it depends on where on the site they're at. If, if it's for a call, obviously you wanna let them know that People don't want to click on something that they don't know where it's going. So if they know it's going to be for a form, it could say proceed to our contact form, but not call us because then they're going to, people are probably not clicking it thinking, oh, I'm not ready to talk to them yet. Yeah. And so we always say that it needs to be little micro commitments instead of call us. It could be learn more or see other options or things like that. Because as soon as they click that and go to another page that gives them more clarity, then all of a sudden they're willing to take another step. And so rather than, hey, here's what we do and who we help, which is very broad and you end up not talking to your ideal client, start making it little micro decisions along the way. And that's the way that you filter them out, not by confusing them or overwhelming them. Yeah, I was picturing while you were talking like, a button that says call us and then instantly like it goes into a FaceTime call and there's like a video screen and like I I can just picture like all you're doing is trying to make it stop like you're tapping on the phone desperately no like what is this this is not what I thought it was that's what you're trying to avoid like that sort of surprise going too far I was I was just trying to understand and kind of take the next step but now you're showing up on a video and I didn't even really mean to call you and like I'm I'm kind of freaking out and I'm just looking for the end quit finish end close button whatever is gonna make it stop so even if that's something that you perceive as you know not a big deal like it's gonna make an automatic phone call not necessarily like a FaceTime call but that's still too much for some people like they they want to be clear that that's what they are doing next and so if it says click here to call this number and then they tap on that that's fine but if you're saying something kind of 
not as super clear, like call us and then it goes into a phone call versus a contact page, that's going to freak some people out, I think. Yeah. And then the other part is once they hang up, then they're embarrassed. So they're like, oh, yeah. just call someone else. Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so it wasn't even that they didn't want to talk to you. It just they weren't ready at that time. Yeah. And you went too far. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's some good conversion tips. What about tracking? Like how do you, how do we keep track of the people that have come to the site and what are some tips in terms of like how to track and what we should be paying attention to in terms of all of those numbers that show up in the analytics and which are now changing because now we're all at GA4 and so it's a different yeah. kind of a report and yeah. things are looking different. What's what's from for a layperson's kind of review of the analytics what's important and what should we not be paying attention to as much so i don't want this to sound like a sales pitch but what i would say is just like a lawyer is specialized in what they do and you need someone to interpret that stuff the old legacy analytics was much simpler and to be honest like we have an entire team that gets the new GA4, I don't, and that's what we do, but I have them to help me. And so I would say as a lawyer, like you're probably really good at understanding the law. It would make sense for you to have someone set up a report for you that would essentially say how many people visited, how many of them bounced without doing anything, because that tells you like what's a what they're seeing when they land, whether it's relevant to them or not, or they're connecting with it. And then how many click a button or an image, and then how, how long on site. So you could get a report, once you have your GA4 set up, you just get those metrics, and that will tell you a lot um, in order to actually start reverse engineering how you'll get more of those leads. Or if they're clicking the button and they're not performing the action, then you know before the button's good, after the button's not, and that's where you need to do your work. Yeah, I think that's really true. There is so much information that if you are just sitting there with this overwhelm of these you know, GA4 reports and you don't have any way to analyze them, you're really missing out. And so most people, it's getting to the point where most people, it's going to be very complicated and so at the very least have some kind of automated report set up so that it's translated into more simple language where you can take a a quick glance from one month to the next and you're not just burying your head in the sand and deciding like I'm not quite sure what this is saying I think it's this but I'm not like make sure you know and that you're kind of taking that data and you've got information that's actionable that you can say okay we're testing this thing out and we're going to test out a couple different ideas and you need to know how to make that decision moving forward like which one is the best idea so yeah i think that's that's it's good i don't i don't think it sounds too salesy like a sales pitch to say this stuff is you want to get the the right person to help you translate this it's it's getting really complicated yeah, I I really say garbage in, garbage out. And so if you if your data is not clean or accurate, then you're going to be making decisions off of false data. Yeah. The other thing is if your data is confusing and you don't understand it, you're just not going to look at it. And so neither way does it help you. Right. For us, that really is our secret sauce. Like we test and change stuff on websites all the time. That's all we do. Like we don't drive traffic. We don't do anything else. All we do is work on the website. And we're still wrong 
probably more than half the time. Right. And that's why we run those tests until we keep iterating to figure out what works for yep. your audience because sites are contextual. Yep. It depends on the type of demographic, all the different things that come there. And so if you're not using that to optimize your experience, you're basically just throwing stuff at the wall, hoping it sticks and then and then praying that you're good. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I just think that it's not that you're wrong because I get this a lot where people are like, well, if you're trying things and it doesn't work, did you make either make a mistake or was that a failure or were you wrong? And it's like, no, that's marketing. That is just yeah. how marketing works. You have to try and try again. And then if you don't look at your data and revise and adjust as necessary, you're not doing marketing, you're doing a guessing game. Like that is not marketing now. So, you know, you go in with a lot of different ideas and then there's so many variables, especially with websites and SEO, that we can make our most educated guess, but where the O part of the SEO comes in is looking at what happens and then adjusting as necessary. And so if you're not doing the optimization, which is basically fine tuning and looking at the information, then you're not doing it. Like that's just not marketing. <laughs> yeah, and the, the funny, we consider even a loss a win for the fact that a lot of times you're like, oh, we wanna try this, oh, we wanna try yeah. this. Well, yep. you tried it, now you know that doesn't work. Yep. You no longer spend any more energy in that area. Or money. And it, yeah, or money, and yeah. it allows you to focus on another area that might work. Right. And, and so it's really a process of elimination. Typically, we're pretty good at getting several wins right off the bat, and then over time, it gets harder to find them, yeah. but it's worth it because you're already getting more leads. So. Right. Well, and it's a constantly moving target, too, because you never know how your competition is coming in, what they're doing, where they're putting their money, and just what's happening in, in the overall landscape of search. So it's always changing, always moving, and so you do have to, you, it's not just like a set it and forget it kind of idea. Yeah. No, we consider a website like a living, breathing thing. Because really what it is, it's your conversation with, with your client and it's, it has to be able to communicate effectively when you're not there. Yeah. And so if it doesn't do that, then there's an automatic lack of trust. Yes. Yeah. Because they are definitely, anybody that says they don't check out your website before they work with you is probably not telling the truth. I mean, they are definitely going to check that out. It's a place where they're going to judge and validate their decision. And if there's a disconnect there, it all of a sudden just starts everything off on the wrong foot. Yeah. So, okay. So what else about traffic? And let's talk about traffic, how everyone thinks about traffic as sort of the, the number, like we talked about topping at the beginning of the show, and in terms of local search. So this is a thing everybody's talking about, local and kind of their Google business profile and, and all of that stuff. Where does that play into this overall strategy in terms of how you're going to uh, convert at a higher rate as opposed to focus on the traffic? All right, so this is, this is a nugget for everybody because obviously Google drives a lot of that traffic in those search yeah. rankings. So they have a chat GPT version, which is BARD. Yes. And so we've tested, we test a lot of them or test a lot of different things in order to increase the quality of the traffic once it hits. And if you use BARD, you can actually ask it to write um, your Google listing. You can um, actually ask it to write it in like the five different phases that someone has to go through in order to um, 
connect with you and then to feel safe, etc. Basically, if they're going to give you their information, they need to feel safe. And you'll be shocked at how good it is rather than staring at a blank piece of paper going, oh, I have no idea what to do with this. If you just interview, it's, I think it's bard.google.com, yeah. interview it like it's the expert in your Google listing and then interview it like it's the expert in what needs to be on the page in order to get them, like literally just chunk it down into little steps yeah. and it will give you the information. And within a couple of hours, like you could really, really enhance your own website yeah. with no help from anyone else other than yourself. Right. Well, I I think Bard so far, I, I'm talking about it all the time as well, and I feel like it's not getting enough attention from what I see. Everybody's talking about ChatGPT, right. but Bard, I almost always have both open because I try them both out. Because why not? Like, it's going to take, I'm going to just copy and paste into two different tabs. Like, yeah. this is not really going to take me any amount of extra time. And I get different answers all the time, depending on what I'm searching for, like personal stuff or business stuff or whatever. But I think it's important to know where all of these different AIs are coming from, where ChatGPT is going to give you a pretty broad general kind of approach, but Bard is built off of Google. So if you're trying to build things that relate to your Google search result, it is so logical and obvious to me that why would you not use Bard? Bard is going to give you the answers that Google cares about. (laughs) Yeah. If you just look at what search terms referred the people to your traffic, you can then punch those into Bard and, and ask it to build a profile off of people who searched XYZ and it will literally give you that stuff or you can give them what your ideal client is yeah. and then talk to them in a way that that person would connect with it and they can do it much better than we can as humans now because yeah. like if even if we know all the marketing a lot of times we forget and skip different steps yep. the language model is so smart that it won't skip the steps it'll put it put it there you can even ask it for a checklist of what I need and yeah. then just go through that checklist and, and get more specific that's how we found the best way to use it if you ask it a broad question it'll give you a very broad thing and so most times we'll ask it to break it down into like what are the 10 steps that I need or what are the five steps that I need to do xyz and then each one of those steps have it go in and isolate it and that will give you really really good results and you'll be shocked at what you'll get from that okay so Bard in terms of local. So what we're talking about is how to get more traffic through your local business profile using Bard. But can you also use that or how do you also use that to improve your conversions? Because of your, you're doing those five steps and kind of building those profiles and speaking to them in that language? Or do you have other tips about how to make it actually them land on your site And then here's a sub question to that. When you're talking about conversions in local, are you defining that conversion as getting them from Google to your website or is the conversion still getting them into that second step, getting them from Google to your website and then to a phone call or or a form fill out? Yeah, both. So Google sends them to your site based off of what's on your site. And so what what we term buyer intent or form submission intent. If they're like, hey, if they know they need to give you their email, they're gonna search questions based off of what they're looking for. And so we always have like, 
what's called progressive disclosure at the bottom of the pages. And it's basically like a series of questions that then you're answering them. So if these are the questions that they're gonna ask Google, you're kind of matching those questions on your site. And then yeah. Google goes, oh, well this site over here has answers to those questions. Yep. We're gonna send them over there. Yep. The other thing that we do is we're very specific. Don't make up anything, stick to the facts, and then speak in a fifth grade reading level. And you'd be shocked how many people think that like they need to be, they need to present themselves as like this big corporate thing or this, yes. you know, high powered lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. And what ends up happening is people are very intimidated by that yeah. and they actually won't choose it. They want someone that they feel like understands them. Yeah. So if you talk at them or above them, they don't feel understood or heard. Yeah. And so the other thing that's happening when you have all those like quality questions at the bottom of the page is you're overcoming their decision hurdles. So those are the questions they're asking and they're looking for that answer. And you're saying, I understand that this is the hurdle between me and you and either you picking up the phone or us working together, whatever the case might be. And so I am showing you that I have all these answers. And so I am pushing you closer and closer to taking that action. Yeah, and again, don't make the questions like leading them to submit the form because yeah. they're going to feel like they're being sold. Salesy, yeah. Or, yeah, and so really what you want to do and the mentality, like when we sit down to do that, is what is the questions they're going to have in order to feel like this is the right one. And when yeah. we change that paradigm from you trying to sell them to enter their information from them, what am I looking for in order to feel safe to give you my information? Yeah. Big difference, and the questions can be, basically say the same thing, but said a different way, and it comes across much better. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important for that kind of that feeling of safety and trust versus like, you know, imagine that you're sitting down with a used car salesman and you just instantly have this kind of, you know, kind of creepy, distance between you and anything they have to say you don't necessarily believe them and it's just you know it's it's not as comfortable whereas you know if you're sitting let's say with a doctor who you really you know trust and believe and you're asking them kind of complex questions they're not going to at the end of this conversation say okay so can I sell you some pharmaceuticals you know like it's just it's not going to lead into this sales question which all of a sudden sort of backtracks everything that they just told you. So feel it, it should feel more like that sort of doctor consultation where I am now giving you a prescription, not necessarily the prescription because that sounds salesy, but I'm giving you a diagnosis or the answers to this issue that you have and I'm displaying that I have the answers and then you're going to you know, logically take that next step. But you know, you're getting into the psychology of their their buying process. So think of it more as like that psychology move that you're doing instead of a sales move. Okay, so what else what else do you see coming down the you know in the future in terms of any kind of you know, I know we were talking about a lot about AI and kind of BARD and all of this stuff. Where do you see this going in terms of SEO and conversions and and also just this psychology and the kind of no like trust stuff that you were talking about. Yeah, so again, obviously you want Google to serve your site up. And the cool thing about that is a lot of what I've, because we have a few clients that are lawyers, a lot of them buy leads that other people get. And so they don't really know the quality of the lead to start with. But if you have 
or do a little bit of research and you know what you specialize in, it's really easy to use these AI writers now that will create content that is very, like it's undetectable that it's AI. Obviously it takes some prompting or figuring it out, but you can certainly do that or hire someone to do that fairly inexpensive now compared to what it used to be. And then you'll start driving the traffic from Google to your site because it'll have all that content that matters to your audience where before content was an entire team and now you can get away with, I mean, you could probably outsource it for, you know, fairly inexpensively. Right. Yeah, I do say we recently had a show where we talked about the the difference between the writing that you're going to get from AI and what actually your your visitors want to see is your personality, though. And so you do want to take that and add that tone and personality and make sure that it's con- conveying like your overall vision and kind of idea for your firm and your tone. That's one thing that obviously like your personality is not going to come through as that first draft with AI. So we often will kind of use that as the starting point and then obviously go in and edit. So I'll give you another little tip that they can do. You can write out who your ideal client is, what you specialize in, what your history is, all that stuff. Like we have, we call it uploading your business consciousness. Yeah. And so we have a list of about 30 questions. And what we do is we have our client just turn on a camera or, or record it on their phone. They record that video of all of that stuff. And then we transcribe it and we put it up into the channel. And then it will literally speak like you to oh, your cool. ideal client, all that other stuff. So we do that first because otherwise, yeah, what you're saying is most of the time you're going to ask for very general questions and it'll just give you very general answers and that doesn't doesn't work you want that person to still feel like you're talking to them and so you can literally upload your business consciousness into a channel and then use that for your marketing assets and for the communication that you have that you put on site that is so cool i mean i feel like we're still in the infancy of so much of this ai and another year or so from now it's you know we're already figuring out how to take the AI robotic kind of generic feel away from it, you know, give it another six months or a year or five years. I can only imagine where things are going. Well, I I was going to try to find an image. A friend of mine sent it to me the other day of just how fast AI is moving now. Yeah. And it showed like what took 15 months now in the last three months, ChatGPT is like 540 times more than what it took the first 13 months of learning. Yeah. It's like, it's exponentially it's, faster. Yeah, we are, like, when you go back and you watch, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey, <laughs> you yeah. think about how old that movie is and yeah. how on point it was, it's it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so it is now time for the book review. So if you haven't checked out our library on the website, we have a whole library of all the books that all the guests have recommended. And there's a it's a great resource for all these great business books that are usually related to the topics that we're talking about. So it's obviously linked in the show notes. And if you just go to the CouncilCast website. But so, Matthew, what's the book that you wanted to recommend for the audience today? I'm actually on my second time through it. It's called 10X is Easier Than 2X. Oh, this is fascinating. The cool concept, I mean, the underlying concept is if you try to double your business, most people, their brain is like, okay, I need to do twice as much work. Yes. 
But if someone said to you, okay, now you need to do 10 times more, your brain doesn't go, oh, I can work 10 times harder. Right. And so essentially what it forces you to do is to learn how to think differently in order to accomplish that. Like, it's not about doing more. It's actually about doing less, but focusing more on the things that matter the most. Like you probably two out of 10 of your clients represent 80% of your income or were the two biggest checks that you received, you know, out of those 10. How do you just get 10 more of those clients instead of the other eight that didn't, that weren't the great ones? Yeah. And a, a lot of times people are like, yeah, but we still need those right now. They don't realize how powerful it is to do that. And it's a really good book. Oh, that sounds awesome. And it really ties back to what you were saying earlier about the traffic. And if you have the 100 people on the site and the goal is not to get the second 100, the goal is to optimize it so that you just get two more of, you know, the the people who are already there. So just do a better job on your site. And all of a sudden now all of the work that you're doing is so much more efficient because you're just converting at a higher rate. So that's that's just the right way to look at it. Essentially, if your site converts a little bit better, gets two of those 98 people, you've cut your traffic costs in half or your lead costs in half. Right. Yeah. It just makes so much more sense. And it's just like everything is faster and easier and cheaper. And and also you're just doing it in the right way. You know, it seems like a 2% conversion rate. There's a lot, like I said earlier, a lot of waste. But there's a lot of kind of feedback there that's telling you that most people are not finding what they need there. Yeah, so they're not wh- connecting with you. Yeah, exactly. So what can, and you don't need 50, You and you probably don't want 50 because that means that like you've got way too generic of an offer, but you need more than two. So yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's awesome. Okay, awesome. We will link to 10X easier than 2X on the library, on the show notes, you know, throughout the, on the website. So you can find that book too. So what's one big, we talked about a lot of different things in terms of traffic and SEO and optimization and conversion. What's a big takeaway that you'd like people to get from the episode? Simple. Like it's really to simplify. It's not, you don't have to do more to convert more. You actually have to do less and and simplify. So yeah. if, if you're saying like, hey, look at all the stuff we do. Hey, we do this too and we handle that. Essentially, and I don't mean this like derogatory, but it it almost feels like your website's like a flea market. Yeah, you know, it's like we're we're desperate. We don't want you to leave. Like there, here's this pop up, and here's this, and you yeah. know, if if you give us your lead, you know, we'll send you this newsletter or whatever. All this stuff, yeah. like that's all your agenda. That's not theirs. Yeah, and if you don't treat them like that, they're much they're much more willing to give you other information than the people that are that feels like it's salesy salesy and just like a circus and things are coming at you and it just feels cheap and nobody wants to feel like they're having a cheap experience they want to feel especially when they're going to a lawyer or you know some kind of service that's going to likely be pretty expensive they don't want that initial first impression to feel cheap and like you know that 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 you don't really understand their issue or whatever the case might be. They want it to feel quality, high class, like you know what you're talking about. And if you're like, you know, do you remember those old like chatbot guys that would like walk out of the screen? (laughs) So that's so corny. And there's so many lawyer sites at a certain era that did that. And I was like, oh, 
I don't want to feel like you're walking out of my screen and like, you know, here with me at my computer. Like that's weird. So don't do that. <laughs> one, yeah. One more thing um, before we go. I think this will matter a lot. Most of the clients that we talk to, they always pull their website up on the desktop yes. and start showing it. Well, yes. the truth of the matter is about 80% of your traffic will find you on their mobile device. Yeah. And so if you're not, and mobile optimized doesn't mean like it adjusts, the mobile experience should be totally different than the yes. desktop experience. Yeah. And so we typically will tell people, listen, if you have your website, have a mobile experience that's very easy and very simple to just get the lead capture or to ask them to come check them out on the desktop because there you can answer way more questions, et cetera. That works a lot. And then that little bit of a commitment for them to go from their phone to the desktop, they are automatically feel like they've taken a little bit of a journey with you and they yes. convert much better. Yeah, that's a number I feel like you need to pay attention to also is what percentage of your visitors are on what kind of a screen because from one practice area to the next, this, this will vary quite a bit. So if you yeah. are working with, let's say you do elder law, it's probably not so much mobile. It's maybe tablets, yeah. but probably desktops. But if you do criminal defense and people are getting DUIs and they are pulling you up on their phone as they leave jail, the clients that we have that do that, it's like 90% mobile. And yeah. so we start the design in mobile. And yeah. that feels kind of strange sometimes to people where the first version of the design is like a little mobile screen instead of what you are used to seeing for a website design, which is the desktop version. But we need to think about that first. And so there's a whole kind of movement in design and web design where it's mobile first. And then, you know, depending on who your clients are. So start with that first. Know, know yeah. where your traffic is coming from and what they're seeing. But once again, it's like, take a look at that data. If you don't even know and you're just guessing, you're probably wrong. So yeah. like, you know, look at the numbers. Yep. Awesome. All right, well, Matthew Stafford is the CEO and owner of Build, Grow, Scale. Thank you so much for being here. That was a really awesome conversation. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.